neither one of us could be right. It might have been some dentist. We don't fucking remember. But I remember, and I mean, I can see it. And she can see the family of four Mormons. How that happens, I have no idea. Could it have been a family of four Mormons that were also Native American? This is Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Be advised, the Literate Ape podcast is an extension of the online literary magazine LiterateApe.com and utilizes some of the same adult language contained therein. Thank you for listening. It's time to be blunt. I'm 43 years old, true, and I'm a writer now. And not a long time ago, I walked through Quang Nai province as a foot soldier. Almost everything else is invented, but it's not a game. It's a form. Right here now, as I invent myself, I'm thinking of all I want to tell you about why this book is written as, as it is. For instance, I want to tell you this. 20 years ago, I watched a man die on a trail near the village of Mikai. I did not kill him, but I was present, you see, and my presence was guilt enough. I remember his face, which was not a pretty face because his jaw was in his throat, and I remember feeling the burden of responsibility and grief. I blame myself, and rightly so, because I was present. But listen. Even that story is made up. I want you to feel what I felt. I want you to know why story truth is truer sometimes than happening truth. Here is the happening truth. I was once a soldier. There were many bodies, real bodies with real faces. But I was young then and I was afraid to look. And now, 20 years later, I'm left with faceless responsibility and faceless grief. Here is the story truth. He was a slim, dead, almost dainty young man of about 20. He lay in the center of a red clay trail near the village of Mikai. His jaw was in his throat. His one eye was shut. The other eye was a star-shaped hole. I killed him. What stories can do, I guess, is make things present. I can look at things I never looked at. I can attach faces to grief and love and pity in God. I can be brave. I can make myself feel again. Daddy, tell the truth, Kathleen can say. Did you ever kill anybody? And I can honestly say, of course not. Or I can honestly say, yes. So that is a chapter called Good Form in Tim O'Brien's The Things They Carried. And that was one of, yeah, I remember we talked one about the, books on the, like desert the Desert Island, Island. Yeah, yeah, Desert Island book. So the thing, when I first read this in college, one of my writing classes, that, those, that page and a half changed my life because it's like, oh, you can make the truth a lie or make a lie the truth. That's how you, because whatever tells the story the right way, whether it's helping you or helping communicate what that is to the to the reader, the audience, do it. It doesn't fucking matter. So there's truth in 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 nonfiction, or rather, there's there's fiction in nonfiction and nonfiction in fiction. I mean, that's so that's an intentional. That's a, yeah, yes. yeah. That's like intentionally changing things. I just wrote. Uh, well, I don't know if it's intentionally changing because intent. Well, it's not like it's like I'm going to lie, but it's well, not no, like he the, said, a million he says, little pieces. He says but, very specifically. I mean, that's the thing is that he's telling you, I'm making this shit up. So it's not like he's lying to you. Right. He's just telling you straight up, I'm making this shit up. And so there's no contract. The contract with the listener isn't violated. Right. Because he's not, and that's the thing. It's like the 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 what is it? A million little pieces. A million little pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. James think, Frey or James Fry. James Fry. Fry, yeah. Frey, whatever. Dana yeah. just read that. She loved the book, 
Um, and I'd read the book, and I loved the book. It was like a huge, it's a a really huge good, hit the until thing people is, found out. It's an, ex, it's an exquisitely written book. Yeah. Um, it's just that he tried to pass it off as the truth. Yeah. You know, it, brings, it was billed as a memoir. Yeah, yeah. It goes to the heart of like the, the whole Mike Daisy, Ira Glass, yeah. our favorite guy, Ira Glass. Love him. Um, the Mike Daisy thing where he, if you're not familiar with it, is he... Uh, Went to Foxconn, you know, he was doing, he was doing one of his monologues uh, about uh, Steve Jobs, and so half the monologue was just about Steve Jobs, about yeah. how he became Steve Jobs. Right. The other half was that Mike actually went to China mm-hmm. and got uh, a number of interpreters, um, and, you know, he'd read a bunch of stuff in the New York Times about uh, Apple's use of Foxconn and that kind of stuff. When he came back, the monologue... Um, was a blend of fact and fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, he made some things up. Yeah. Problem was, uh, on the cover at the public theater on their on the program, it said, "This is a work of nonfiction." Okay. And so Ira Glass and Seth Lynn, based on my recommendation, went and saw a show, brought him on the show. He did the show. It was the most listened to episode of This American Life in history. Right behind the one that I'm on. No, it's even more than that. <laughs> and uh, and then he found out, they found out that he had he had multiple interpreters, not one, that he never saw anybody carrying guns outside the walls. And probably the most egregious one, which is the most poetic, as he tells a story about an old Chinese man with a crippled hand who had made iPads but had never seen one working mm-hmm. and that Mike pulled out the iPad and the old man scrawled his fingers across it and said, it's like a thing of magic. And that was part of the thing. None of that happened. See, I don't know where the crime is really in that. Well, see, this is the thing. Yeah. The crime, it, it's not that it's a crime, but the crime, and, and you know, and, and, and Mike now, if you go see his uh, shows, and I still think he's brilliant, I think he's kind of gone off the rail on the identity politics and sort of that... I'm a white guy with my white guilt, so here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to hate all white people. That's uh, kind of like, you know. Right. I mean, he kind of goes that way, but it's all right. I, I, the thing about it is, I get it. Um, is that now when he does a show, he starts the show saying, "I'm making the, I'm lying. Yeah. I'm a liar. Yeah. I'm a storyteller." You know, he makes, yeah. he's got the caveat, but the, the the crime, if there is, you're going to call it a crime, is it's a violation of the contract, mm-hmm. and the contract between any performer is if you say this is true, the contract is that it is true. Yeah. And that is, that's why you see so many movies now is like based based on a, on a true story. Based on a true story means that you started with the true story and now just exactly like Tim O'Brien. It's yeah. like, here's the true story, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extrapolate yeah. so that you can feel it in a different way. So you can feel the feelings I had. And, uh, and so I think that's the thing. Well, and the other part of it is that, like, with, so, The Last DJ, my book that's coming mm-hmm. out um, probably, like, next month. Um, Plug. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Literate Press. Like, I started with, it's based on a true story. And there, like, I, I turn many characters, I can, you know, turn them into a composite of one character, just to keep things simple. Or to make it just, you know, to heighten the story so there's not, like, well, who's that guy and this guy? Well, like, life is messy. Just, so yeah, you gotta... so you got to simplify it a little bit. Or you add a little bit of flourish here and there. So a story that ended, you know, maybe it, maybe in real life it ended with a hand job, but just to make it a little bit more exciting, yeah, you probably got a BJ and you know, sure, just you, you go one step further. Yeah, it's yeah, not just like kind of give it some juice. I'm not writing a book about being a disc jockey in Las Vegas, 
and I was never a disc jockey in Las Vegas. Yeah. You know, like I'm not. Yeah, it's yeah, not you're, bullshit. It's, it's not bullshit. But but I'm but I'm and I'm not positioning it as a memoir. No, it is based on a true story. Yeah, absolutely. Everything and, that happens in there is based on, and the majority of it is really fucking maybe, true. You know, but yeah, again, yeah. composites, and I even say in the book at the beginning, like these are composites. Some things are simplified, you know, or expanded for dramatic purposes. So there's the contract. But, but there's you know. a difference. The thing is, but there is, a, and this is one of the things that is interesting. Um, uh, and I, like I said, I wrote something for the Ape not too long ago. Basically, it was that sixty percent of your stories are bullshit or yeah. horseshit. And science, it's the science. And, and the Oliver Sacks, he's the guy that did Awakenings, wrote Awakenings. Yeah. You know, and um, big mind doctor is is that you know he kind of started discovering, he discovered it in a, on his own that. And then did some real research on this, like some real research, and there's tons of scientific research on this, is that every time we retell a story, our memory of it chemically changes. Right. And at a certain point, there's a huge chunk of the stories that we tell. Not, not like in your book, yeah. or in Tim O'Brien, or even Mike Daisy, where I'm going to intentionally change this to make it a better story. Right. It's that these stories we know, we believe, we would swear on a stack of fucking Bibles is the yeah. truth. About 60% is complete fucking horseshit. My mother and I have, when I was a kid, the scariest thing that my mother could say was let's go on an adventure. Because mm -hmm. mom's nuts. Yeah. Especially when she was younger. And that meant that we were probably <laughs> going to be put in some sort of peril. Okay. Not intentionally. We're gonna go but, like, poke a sleeping bear, or well, I mean, you know, the example, and, and it's funny that my mom and I tell us we tell the same story, mm -hmm. and up until a certain point, the story is identical, and then it goes so far from what, and we both would swear to God, we would, we would, we would die on it, you know, on a sword. Yeah, we know we're right. Yeah, one of us has to be right. Right. And the story is that we went, uh, we lived in Arizona. She wanted to take my sister and I out to Lake Pleasant, mm -hmm. which is this huge, giant reservoir that you can go out and families go out. And, and we're on the way, and she decides, let's go on an adventure. Let's take a shortcut. Well, mom's got an, like, an AMC Gremlin, uh -huh. which is a shitty little car anyway. Piece of shit, we're yeah. on the fucking desert. Which her shortcut, there's no road. Now, I'm, I think I'm eight. Uh -huh. I mean, I have no idea how old I was, but I'm like eight years old. But she starts just drive. We're just driving on random desert. Yeah. And I remember her saying, "Oh, not the, even like a worn down desert road, but just no." Like, she says, "I remember," and, and she remembers saying, "Is like, oh, the road's gone." <laughs> so like, she thought there was a road, and then she's driving, and suddenly realizes that she's just driving through desert. I mean, just fucking desert. Yeah. We have no idea where. Completely lost. Mm -hmm. And the tire goes flat. Jesus. Well, I'm a little brainiac, so I'm immediately panicking, and I'm, and I'm rashing it out of water. I'm going to cactus and trying to figure out how you get water out of cactus, because I know we're going to die. Yeah. And mom is freaking out. My sister's crying. Um, but she, mom's not really freaking out. She's just trying to figure she out. And this is long yet. before there were cell phones or anything like that. And then we see, coming the other direction, this red Ford pickup truck. Uh -huh. you know, up to that point... My mother and I tell exactly the same story. I'm telling you, the guy behind the wheel was an old Native American guy, and he had a tow thing on it. Uh -huh. And he towed us to the other, and we were probably about a quarter mile 
to the highway. Yeah. We didn't know that. We had no idea, but we were about a quarter of a mile on this gas station. My mother swears up and down it was a family of Mormons. Jesus. That's I know you, it could not be more different. Yeah. And the thing about it is, there are no pictures. Right. You know what I mean? Neither one of us could be right. It might have been some dentist. We don't fucking remember. But I remember, and I mean, I can see it. And she can see the family of four Mormons. How that happens, I have no idea. Could it have been a family of four Mormons that were also Native American? When I was writing the camp book, um, <clears throat> which you can buy on Amazon. Uh, it's called A Camp Story. It's not literary press, but still real good. Yeah. So, but I was, so I'm, I'm and that, that book, <laughs> that, that book is true. There's no yeah. flourishing or, you know, um, but. As far as you know. Well, I mean, I didn't purposely like, to, like, well, let's just hide well, this a little bit. That's what I'm saying, these storytellers but, don't do that. It's not like I'm gonna change it to make it better. It's that they just don't remember it the way it actually happened. Well, but the interesting thing is, is that that's how they remember it. So that is how it happened. So I would get one story from uh, a, a camper who was there in, in 1956, and he, you know, he remembers it this way. And I'd get that story and go, great. And I would talk to another person who was there at the same time, yep. and they remembered the same moment, but it happened differently for them. And I'll say, well, what about this? Because they'll have left out a kind of a key detail. Sure. And I'll ask about it, and they'll be like, well, that never happened. And I go, well, but you know, this person said it, it did. They're like, well, they don't remember it right. That's not how it happened at all. Except that... I don't know which one. Fuck, I wasn't there in 1956, so I can't confirm or deny that. And I have to... I don't think either of them are lying. No! It's, it's that's just that their memory it's... remembers it differently. And maybe while the first person remembers it that way, it's because he was looking at it and saw something. The other person was like looking away for a second and missed that. Or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. You know, each person perceives their experience differently than the other people that were around. Because... Everyone's the hero of their own story. Uh, so take right? it, now take it one step because that's the thing is then the way you just the way you just framed it. I love that. I love the way you just framed it, which is you know there is no real truth. There's just sort of like shades of different. Yeah. Except that we are now in an age where personal anecdote is enough to destroy lives. And there's the problem. Yeah. You know, and 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 the thing about it is the difference between. Hi, I'm Billy, and I'm at the Moth, and I'm going to tell that time. I'm going to tell a story about that time I was sexually harassed by my boss, mm -hmm. and someone accusing a boss of sexually harassing them with no recorded, no no evidence whatsoever. Right. It's just a he said, she said kind of thing. Those aren't different anymore. Right? They're not different anymore because there's not a there's not a a, a, a sense of rigor. To yeah. find the truth, because we just assume it's 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 why I had a big problem with the whole tagline. I believe her. Yeah. Well, I believe some hers, but not all. Yeah. And I have to make a determination on which hers I think are full of shit. Yeah. And not even full of shit, just not remembering. I don't know. And it's, it's, so we're we're really entering in some weird places when we place sort of a sacredness to personal narrative. Any fucking asshole could be on a jury. Most fucking assholes are on a jury. I've been on a jury one time. There you go. And it, nothing was funnier to me than the fact it was basically an insurance, uh, an insurance trial uh, of an old man uh, against Jewel. What? And what? basically his wife 
you know, I mean, if you had to boil it down, his wife was walking in Jewel, yeah. and she was in the protest section, and there was some fucking lettuce on the goddamn floor, and she slipped on it, and broke her hip, and died. Would have been a whole lot funnier if it had been a banana. Well, this, the thing that was made it funny was... Jewel they, said it wasn't lettuce, they, it was a banana. <laughs> they, no, they would not allow anybody in the, in the trial to call it lettuce. It was called a piece of green. They said that so many times that she slipped on a piece of green. And unfortunately, just as a juror, uh -huh. I couldn't get past the fact that they just wouldn't call it fucking lettuce. Well, because that, that creates doubt. Exactly. Is the piece of green a piece of paper? Yeah, see, this is, is the and piece of just green like, a God, rubber band? You know, Jesus it's, Christ. And it's just this poor old man. I mean, of course, yeah. of course, as a jury, we awarded him the fucking money. Yeah, because it's fucking Jewel. Because it was, no. Old guy who gives a money. fuck about Jewel? It was just this old guy who lost his wife. Wait, she died? Yeah, she broke her hip and then died like two days later. You know, and it was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so that, and, and basically, he couldn't have, and this is where it really, really broke down and made Jesus. me really pissed was the way, at least, again, this is his story. Yeah. I don't know if it's true, but this was the story I was told. It's the story that I chose to believe. Right. Was a version of the story. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the thing is, you don't know any, but the, the, the lawyer's there to, to completely spin it. Yeah. Know? So, but. The story was that you know his wife, they were just shopping, his wife slipped, she broke her hip, two days later she died, and he was going bankrupt. He didn't have any money yeah. to pay for the funeral, to pay for, I mean, he, it, it was like, he was killing him. Yeah. He had nothing left, and this was an old man. This was like, this is like an 85-year-old dude. Yeah. And he was going under. And, you know, and the thing about it is, yes, did I wonder? Yeah. Where are fucking kids? Maybe they don't have kids. No, they had kids. Oh, well, then... Like, where are his fucking kids? <laughs> yeah. And why aren't they helping him? And maybe he was a real fucking dick. Because he's a dick who lies or all the time. Or maybe he was a molester, stories. or yeah. who knows what right. the fuck is going on. But right. all I know is this poor old man, who was dressed and looked the part of a sad, grief-stricken... Yeah. That was one of the things... I'm picturing Bernie Sanders. Um, in, the, in the courtroom. He looked, a bit, he looked a bit more like uh, 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 Doc... Uh, from uh, Doc Brown from Back to the Doc Future. Doc Brown, yeah, yeah, okay. kind of had that right, look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing, the thing, and that was actually one of the things that uh, that I brought up when we were in the jury, as we were just because I'm I'm always playing devil's advocate. Is yeah. I was like, you know, he seems awfully grief stricken. She died two years ago. You dick. Well, I mean, the thing about it was, she slipped on the piece of green and died. Two years ago. That's so fucking how, traumatic. Yeah, but it's two years and he still looks like she died yesterday. So how much of that is a put on? Dude. That was all I was asking. And I get the same fucking grief from people. We still gave him the money. But I Jesus. had to, as a part of the jury, I wanted to go, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he looks awfully. He seems awfully grief stricken, and she's been dead for two years. So yeah, but now he has to go in every day to court and retell the story about his wife dying. Well, you that's know, hard on an old. Yeah, but man. it's not grief. It's different. No, fuck that, man. Come on, it's different. You're I mean, fucking. You know, it's like my grandpa died when I was thirteen. I still like. I'm sad he died, but I'm not like. Uh, that's different. That's a little different. No, but you didn't like watch your wife or watch your grandfather die. No, you know, like I'm just your saying, life partner that the you thing shared about it, a life with. I wasn't with being and, heartless. I was just—it was just such a slam dunk. We were fuck Jewel. 
And so I thought, you know, just for fun, I had to sit just here. Just for fun, I had to sit here for three weeks and question, his, and his, question his heart for his wife. I wanted to sit in the jury room for at least more than seven because we could have gone in there and like give it to the fucking old man. Yeah. Everybody wanted to get out of there. Sure, but nobody else was going to gonna keep people. But I want to. Yeah. I want to be Henry Fonda in right. Twelve Angry <laughs> Men. <laughs> I want my you're twelve angry. I was going to say you were, to, you're, you were trying to be the Fonda, and the, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, only time I've ever been on a jury, yeah. I want to be Henry Fonda. I mean, this is part of the reason that the Kennedy assassination has never been solved because all the witness accounts are conflicting. And I, because I was really into. I oh, mean, I, I was way into that. Yeah, shit. We, oh, and yeah, we've my sister about still this. is. Oh God. Yeah, my brother's got. Um, the uh, eleven twenty two sixty three tattooed in uh, Roman numerals on his arm. Have you read the the Stephen King eleven? I've not. I've not read it yet. No. You absolutely have to fucking read that. Here's book. the thing, and it's I, so good. That book is different than. And what you got to read that book before you see the movie. But anyway, go ahead. So, the more that I, it got to a point where the more that I read, and the more that I, and the more movies that I watched, and the more that I learned, the less I felt I knew. Oh yeah. Because things like facts that could be proven either way began to contradict each other. And not just like the physics of the bullets and all and how the head moves yeah, and yeah. blows up and all that other shit, but like things with Oswald, like he was in Mexico City, but he also at the same like wit I don't know anymore. Yeah. Both things are true. Yeah. All things are true. Yeah. And fuck but it, the I, thing you know, is fuck both it, Jackie did yeah, it. How about both that? things aren't true and ultimately <laughs> it is our search. This is the thing that I that it's like the contract. We're talking about a mm-hmm. contract earlier. Is that we think on some level that we're going to be able to suss out the absolute truth. That there is, because there is, the thing is, there is an objective truth. But even when you've got like a video of a kid getting shot by a cop, right. that seems cut and dried, this is the objective truth, right. that is not the objective truth because as we watch it, we interpret it, and that interpretation... The black and white as it exists, because I believe it does, it happens, and then instant, like almost instantaneously, it becomes the gray, because the people perceiving mm-hmm. the objective truth, they automatically begin processing it in their own brain, as how it happened, like the cops who shot uh, Laquan McDonald, yeah. his buddies, or him, fuck it, yeah. were like, we're seeing him shoot him 16 fucking times in the back, but he was kind of running toward us. They just start processing it differently because that's what they're... They see... It's their experience and how the shit goes Sachs. down. It's Oliver yeah. Sacks. Yeah. 60% of everything we say we believe that we can see in our mind is not true. So the question is, is it possible for as human beings for us to embrace the humility that comes with no knowing we are full of shit almost all the time. Yeah. I don't think that's possible, but I imagine if everybody could go, oh wow, everything I think I saw is is like slightly slightly nonsense. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um maybe I should dial my fucking rhetoric down a tad. Yeah. Maybe. It's kind of like that old Shaggy song where the <laughs> Okay, walk the, the it wasn't it, uh wasn't me where the guy's like uh he gets caught with his his cheating on his girlfriend. And she's like catches him red hand, and he's like, "What me?" Oh, and that's yes. the whole right, like that. Yeah, what me? You know, it's a fucking stupid song, but you know, if you deny it enough, and you say it's something else, 
Well, maybe it's something else. So maybe in our in our in in that respect, uh, Donald Trump is the most evolved human being alive because he just lies and didn't give a shit. I'm this close to believing everything he says because he believes it so much. Yeah, it I, has to be true, and he's the president, right? He is the fucking president. And the president can't be wrong. Yeah, toothless people That's voting never happened. for him. It's yeah. true. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. All right, I'm going to keep mine a little light this I mean, mine are always kind of lighter in comparison to yours, I think. You go with the headier stuff, and I go, all right, sweat it out with Don's yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know. So my first one is a read. Uh, it's <laughs> Go to the New York Times website, and look, I don't know exactly when the story came. I think it was last Sunday. Um, it's called, the, the headline is, Beyond TV and EVOO, Rachel Ray Looks for Her Next Act. <laughs> so, I'll joke with Katie. I don't know. I'll, I'll be like, is Rachel Ray still dead? Because Rachel Ray was everywhere oh, I for know. like she 10, was 15 years. And yeah. then she just kind of went away. It's like Dr. Phil. Yeah. Like, Big is deal Dr. Phil him. still dead? No, he, he's, he's still alive. I prove it. I haven't fucking seen him. He's in my closet. Okay. Well, as long as he's alive, but in a closet. How do you think our marriage works so well? I just go in there and say, Dr. Phil, Dana said this thing. What should I do? And he well done. <laughs> I was hoping you would tell me that he was like your tag-in for sex. No. Okay. No, no. Mm. No, no. That would have been cool. Um, but yeah, just read this. Because here's the thing cool. about that story is that it's... So Rachel Ray's like at this tipping point where she's out of style. Like her, her yeah. current brand is a little out of... It's a little dated. So it's like, what is her next thing? She started this music festival down in Austin that's completely free for like 3,000 people. All right. I mean, she's doing shit. That's cool. It's, so it resonated with me in the way that like, all right, what do you do when, it's, when the winds have shifted? How do you adjust your sales? How do you, you know, adjust your course? So, yeah, you know, without having to read a whole book about, you know, a self-help You go book on the surreal help. life, like Vanilla Ice. R yeah, so how to not do that. Yeah, exactly. Basically. But yeah, I mean, it's a fun little thing all to right. see like, how does somebody who once was at the top of their game remain at the top of their game. And she's right. got such a great attitude and, and uh, you know, bonus, she's not dead. She's so, not dead, in so fact. So there you go. Yeah, she's going to do something with Dr. Phil. Uh, my, <laughs> then, uh, then my number three will be a read as well. Um, this is uh, Speak Memory by Oliver Sacks. It is an article in the New York Review, February 2013. You can look it up online. You find it, just type in Speak, comma, Memory, and Oliver Sacks. And it is basically a discussion of how our our storytelling is complete. Our, our subjective storytelling is far more subjective than we think it is. And in fact, m there are whole chunks of the stories that we tell that are complete fabrications and we don't even know it. Well, isn't that appropriate for today's yes, podcast? Yes, that's, 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 okay. that's, yeah, yeah. That was my number three. Uh, my next thing is a do. Uh, it's see lies, damned lies, and statistics. Uh, it's dramatic improv. This mm -hmm. is something that Eric Wilson had posted on Facebook. Um, uh, it's at Pendulum, Pendulum uh, Pen Theater, Pendulum Theater, uh, Pendulum Space, I think is what. Yeah, the, um, Theater Momentum is the uh, theater company that's doing it. I'm gonna try really hard to go see it this week. Being that I have a newborn, it's a little harder to get out and do shit. But I, I want to see improv. This sounds like improv I might actually like. Like to you know where that, they, like, you I'm know where they learned this. You know where they learned this dramatic improv thing at Pendulum Space with mo Theater Momentum. Don Hall's School of Acting? Um, yeah, actually. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 I don't, we wouldn't call it that, but yeah. Um, when, when Theater Momentum started, they had a thing called 
uh, workshop in progress. And I every Saturday would get together. And I when I was with WNP, I I did uh, dramatic improv. Yeah. I, I, you know, we did post mortem, which was a show. Uh, that we took an obituary out of the newspaper that day okay. and did that person's yeah. life decade to decade from birth to death. Yeah. And it was dramatic improv. Yeah. And we did a show at with Theater Momentum called Fugue, which was four simultaneous scenes giving and taking. So, And they were not okay. related scenes, and that was... Huh. On dramatic improv. So, and Peter Athens yep. uh, was as a part. He's a part of that show. Mm -hmm. He was also in the workshop progress. So cool. So yeah. yeah. So I, I I love that they're continuing to do yeah. that stuff. And it's and not I'm, that it's not funny. It's that they're not no. getting up there to be like, I'm a horse There's, in a top hat. It is all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dark. 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 I love that. Well, then <laughs> mine will be a do. Um, backroom stories at Oak Park Brewing Company Sunday, May twentieth at seven thirty p.m. It is ten dollars. I will be telling a story that I have not told before. As what? Well, Those exist? They, they, they always <laughs> keep popping up, um, as well as Karen O'Donnell and some others. It's good times and none of the storytelling community bullshit. Is that like in the tag for No, the that's okay. just my tag. Right, okay. they, 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 you know, okay. they have no... There's none of the fucking bullshit. There's no the posing. There's nobody trying to be a hero. There's nobody trying to... And most of the stories of this show are not stories of victims or heroes. Okay. They're just stories. So and something so, new in the storyteller. It, well, something that the way it started. Yeah, yeah. And then went away, and now it's back. So I say backroom stories at Oak Park Brewing Company, Sunday, May 20th, 7.30 p.m. Okay. Uh, and then mine's a listen. Uh, this week you tagged me in the whole uh, 10 days, 10 records ten, that change yeah, the the albums that change your life. That change your or, life yeah. um, that remain in your regular rotation. So uh, today, as we record this, it's Thursday, and I posted uh, uh, Return of the Rentals, mm -hmm. by the Rentals, um, 1995. This, this... By the way, your album choices are fucking tits. Thank so you. So I, I, I will say that. So this album, it, I mean, aside from being used to, like, part of what makes it such a cool album is that it came out in 1995, and it was so... Everything about it is so not the 90s. Like, it's, the cover is, is gray and, and it, like, an old photograph looking. It's just, you know, because the 90s were really bright mm -hmm. or, like, really sullen because it was grunge and all that yeah. shit. Um, and it sounds like nothing that was happening at the time. Uh, it sounds a little bit like Weezer because, like, the Weezer Blue uh, album. Yeah. Because it's the band, um, the original basis of Weezer, Matt Sharp. It's his band. So there's, like, a little bit, but it's, I mean, it's front to back. It is an incredible an incredible record. Outstanding. So, uh, and as a side to that, I recommend listening to one of your records or one of your albums that you picked this week. I don't care which one you, but if you want to throw that in there. Oh as a, wow, that's that's tough. Then then I'm going to suggest. Oh shit! Since since you're going to go with that one, um, I have to go completely different just mm -hmm. for fun. So I want you to listen to the best of the Canadian brass. Okay. <laughs> Because that's about as far from that as it can yeah. be. Because that was one of my ten albums because it was seminal. I listened to that fucking thing so many different times. I had the LP signed by the Canadian Brass, <laughs> um, the CD, the cassette tape. I listened to that damn thing. It was just... it's yeah. if, it, if you don't like Brass Quintet, I understand why you wouldn't like... Just give it a give shot. It a go. Yeah. It's, it's just fun. All right. You know, that's fun. And then my number one is... Um, I think we've talked about Yurgos uh, Lanthimos before. He is the director of Dogtooth and The Lobster, um, which I like very much. Mm -hmm. They're very fucking weird. He's Dutch. He's yeah. a fucking weirdo. And his movies, the way I, the, I guess the way I would put it is his movies 
He encourages his actors to be as deadpan as possible, no matter how weird the situation. Love it. Because his filming is very architectural. Mm -hmm. His shots are all these bizarre shots, and it's, real, it's almost like you're looking at the space and not the people. Mm. Um, and it's like what an alien would come in and say, I want to observe Earth. Huh. And, you know, it's yeah, very, okay. you know. And uh, the movie, it's, uh, he did The Lobster with Colin uh, Farrell. Mm -hmm. He's, again, in this movie, it's called The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Okay. And it is fucked up. <laughs> I will give you the, the essence is he's a surgeon. He is bitterly unhappy he's got a he's got a he's got a wife and two kids and he's got this weird friendship with this teenage boy that you can't quite place it's obvious that he's sort of being a surrogate father mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden um his kids lose their ability to walk jesus and then they refuse to eat and then their eyes start to bleed and there's a devil's bargain that this young man makes with Colin Farrell, and it is one motherfucking screwball goddamn <laughs> movie. Um, I loved it start to finish. It is. It does not go where you think it's going to go. Nobody's reaction makes any sense. And the difference between the... Just quite frankly, the big difference between... Because I like Lobster. Dana did not right. like the, the Lobster at all. And I think it's because... The Lobster had Colin Farrell, who nails this sort of deadpan thing. But it also had John C. Riley, who didn't quite get that aesthetic, and Rachel Wise, who didn't quite get it. Most of the other actors were trying to emote, uh -huh. and he was the outlier where he was not. Yeah. Well, his wife in this is Nicole Kidman, and God damn it, are they good together. Really? I mean, she nails this style. Okay. It's, I just... Killing of a Sacred Deer. Gotta All say right. it. There All you right. go. And that is our six things for you to do because your lives are so worthless Boring. and sad. What are you going to do without us? All you're doing is looking desperately in your Cheeto bag for a penis-shaped penis Cheeto finding so you reasons can make a Trump joke. Bathroom, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's it. That's, are people still making Cheeto Trump jokes? I'm sure they are. Ah, fuck it. Great. You know, that's all they're doing. So they need to go see uh, right, yeah, that's Sacred it. Deer, see a, a show with dramatic improv. It's all good. All right. That's the podcast. This has been the Literate Apecast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on literateape.com slash podcasts. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can catch them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.